0: Please pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father, we are your people, and you are our God. We pray that you will be with us, that you will strengthen us, that you will open our ears, our minds, and above all, our hearts to your word, that we'll be strengthened by it that will be built up. All of this we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It's good to be back in Little Rock, and uh, I can I can't tell except that it, it somehow looks brighter and better in here <laughs> that you had a disaster a couple of years ago, apparently. Uh, and so uh, my, my uh, uh, congratulations to all of you and especially those who made this uh, uh, restoration come together. And we're all experiencing a kind of restoration uh, of a sort here, or are we not in this in this season of our lives? At least I am, as uh, hopefully the pandemic is winding down. Yes, yes. maybe. Yes. <laughs> I hope so. All right. I want to start by telling you a story, and I hope it's not too me-centered, but I, I tell it because it's it's about the way in which the Lord, uh, came to work powerfully in my life. And I hope it will be something of an example of his mercy and his grace. The year was 1978. I was a 32-year-old new pastor. uh, I hesitate to say it this way, but full of piss and vinegar. (laughs) Someone had very kindly offered to take me on a trip to the Holy Land. And uh, after one really long day of tromping around in the heat, finally our guide said, there's something I need to show you. And he took us to the newly completed. It hadn't been there very long, but the the big plaza that is in front of the western wall of the Temple Mount. How many of you've been there? I know you have. I saw a picture in your office. <laughs> It's a big open place. And then there's a big wall there. And the stones in that wall are 15 feet this way, 5 feet this way, and 5 feet deep. It is massive. And because those who are Orthodox Jews won't go up on the mount where the temple once was, this is the place where they honor their forefathers and the, the 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 prayers and devotion of the people of Israel of their own people, and there are many of us now, believers and followers of Jesus, who are also God's people, who come to that place. But I have to tell you, I was exhausted. Uh, it was hot. And I thought, I'm going to be here because my group is here, and I'm going to do what I need to do, and then I'm going to go home, and I'm going to have a cold drink, and I'm going to rest. I was not excited and looking forward to a spiritual time. We were instructed to go up to this wall, and it's like you stand like this in front of the wall. Some of you have done that, and you pray. That's the... That's what you're encouraged to do. And sometimes people would write their prayers on little bits of paper and stuff them in the cracks. So you look at all these cracks with little prayers in them. And I thought, what am I going to do here? And I remembered that a dear uh, uh, 70-something lady friend from our church had given me this little King James Bible, and it was... Small print, Old Testament and new, but it fit in my pocket. It was about the size, it was smaller than an iPhone, let's put it that way. So I reached in my pocket, I pulled out that, that small Bible, and I didn't need readers at the time, and... Uh, And you know how you, you open the Bible to a place, it's just wherever the binding splits, and your eyes fall on a verse. Well, this is the verse that my eyes fell upon. It's from the first book of Kings, the eighth chapter, beginning at verse 10, and it's verse 10 and 11, if you want to look it up later. And it's at the end of the description of the dedication and blessing of the first temple in Jerusalem. The very temple that was up on at one time on the top of this mountain where we were standing at the foot against this retaining wall. And the verse said this, And when the priest came out of the holy place, Now that means not just the building of the temple, but the thing that we sometimes call the Holy of Holies, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, the place where only certain priests and only certain times of the year went in with the blood of the sacrifice and to offer special prayers. And especially they would go in on the Day of Atonement and sprinkle the blood of the sacrifices of the people on the Ark of the Covenant and they would assure the congregation and the nation of Israel of God's forgiveness and blessing upon them so it says when the priests came out of the holy place where they had put the Ark of the Covenant for the first time a cloud filled the house of the Lord. That cloud was so thick. That's not in the scripture. I'm just saying it. It says, uh, now this is in the scripture, verse 11. So that the priest could not stand and minister because of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. I know to many of you that's probably a familiar passage. Uh, It's reflected in in other parts of the Bible in various ways as well. But I want you to try to imagine, even in this place, what would happen if all of a sudden you looked around and you could barely see the people who were across the aisle from you. If you looked around and somehow there was a tangible manifestation of the presence of God. And these were faithful people who were in the temple in those days. They were priests and they were Levites and they were devoted people, uh, uh, devoted to the Lord. And Solomon himself was among them. And they knew that when the people of Israel were traveling through the wilderness that they followed a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And some of you, maybe my age or thereabouts, will know that uh, even when the grateful dead talk about fire on the mountain, They're actually referring to this phenomenon. They're talking about that same manifestation of God's presence on Mount Sinai when the law was given. Because they were singing an old hymn, an old gospel tune, when they remembered that. That cloud was a manifestation of God's presence. I knew that. But as I read those words, I was convicted in my heart. I had come from a church that had been filled with God's blessings and benefits. I I I had experienced, even felt, like I was leading inspiring worship. Uh, Every Sunday morning we had healing prayer and then different kinds of services where we honored God and we talked about the Holy Spirit and we saw uh, various manifestations of his presence in teaching and, and in healing prayer especially. We had a strong group of leaders and though I was not the 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 founding pastor, I was one who had been mentored by him, And and I felt some of his glory kind of flowing onto me, and God said to me in that moment of my pride, you think you're pretty hot. but if my presence wasn't there in those prayer meetings, in those Sunday morning communion services, in those Wednesday evening uh, prayer and praise services, in those counseling sessions that you're so proud of, if I were not there, if my presence was not with you, nothing would have happened. It's not about you, Green. It's about me. It's about my son, Jesus. It's about my Holy Spirit empowering, coming alongside you and touching those people. Now I think I could stop now because that's all I'm really going to say to you. But I want to bring just a bit of the scripture that we've read today into that notion that what we do is not about us. It's not about the beauty of this building. It's not about the competency of these wonderful musicians. It's not about your openness and your knowledge of the Scripture as you begin to receive whatever God is doing. It's about the God who is doing the stuff. We read today in Psalm 51... And it's the end of the psalm, you know that the psalm begins with with David confessing the greatest sins of his life. He's committed adultery and through uh, the agency of, of, of his enemies in battle, he's really committed murder and he's coming before God because he knows that he's been separated from the Presence that his heart is burdened with sin. And he says to God, there, actually most of the things that he says in this psalm, he is, he is crying out to God that God might take the initiative to set things right first in him and then in the situation around him. He begins and says, create in me a clean heart, O God. He doesn't say it quite this way, but it's because he's got a dirty one. He says, cast me not. He says, I'm sorry, I skipped a verse, a part of a verse. He says, renew a right spirit within me. And that, that word, it's one of those Hebrew words that's hard to Translate, it could be steadfast. In other words, my spirit hasn't been steadfast. It's been flaky. It's been here and there. Remove it's not been right. I haven't been right inside. I haven't been strong in my relationship with you. So you have to renew something in me so that I can be steadfast in following you. He says, cast me not. Away from your presence clearly he's been feeling the distance take not your Holy Spirit from me he goes on to say restore to me the joy of your salvation apparently he had lost it big time uphold me With a willing spirit, and and again, uh, that's one of those words that uh, it's hard to translate. As I understand it, it means it's really talking more about God than about Him or about the way God in His, the way He transacts His business with us. He imparts to us His spirit. In such a, in, in a generous way. It says it, it could be translated oh, instead of a willing spirit. A generous spirit willingly given by God. It, he's saying my tires are flat. And only you can pump them up. He goes on to say, we've heard this and heard teachings on it probably many times. He says, deliver me from blood guiltiness. In other words, this is something that could cost me my life. It should cost me my life. Oh God, oh God of my salvation. And then, and only then, I would say, my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. Lord, open my lips. How many of us have done morning prayer and said these words? Oh, Lord, open our lips and our mouth shall show forth your praise. And then he talks about sacrifice. And that kind of ties us back to the temple. The temple was a place where the sacrifices of the people brought them deliverance. It brought them forgiveness. It brought them uh, uh, closer to God. And in the end, David says, "It's it's not the calf or the bull or the sheep that we put on the altar for a blood sacrifice that matters the most, but it is broken spirits, our admission that we are busted and empty, that our tires are flat, that we're out of gas, and that only he can revive us, renew us, and restore us. He says a broken and a contrite heart, oh God, you will not despise. There's much I could say. I wish we had the time. uh, But we got a lot to do today. (laughs) And another service after this one. Uh, What I want to say is this. Whether we are in a high place. Where we are in a place where we, we have a sense of. Success and spiritual energy. It's because God is here with us in the spirit. And even when we're in that low place. Sometimes it's better for us in the end. Because that's where we can make room. Where we're desperate enough to cry out to the one that Jesus calls paracletos. And again, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be technical with you, but that's the comforter, the helper, the advocate, as Jesus calls the Holy Spirit in our Gospel of John today. And it's interesting, as, as you look at that word, the, the word uh, Uh, kaleo, which is the verb, it means to cry out. And so the Holy Spirit is the one that we cry out to in our time of need. And the word para means he comes close to us as a helper. He's the helper who hears our cry and comes alongside us. Now, think about the last two and a half years. Think about people that you've lost. Think about your own struggles with isolation. Think about, in my case, uh, we went through a terrible, uh, what we used to call church split. Uh, And it's in those moments when we realize how needy we really are, how flat our tires really are, that we call out and say, breathe on me, breath of God. Let your powerful breath fill us up again. It's only by the Spirit of God that we can understand the Word of God. That's why Jesus says, that the Father will give you the Spirit and he'll bring to your mind the things that I have said. Huh. Sometimes we say to ourselves, we don't need all that Pentecostal stuff. We've got the Word. And I say to you, how will we understand the Word apart from the Spirit? How will we have the wisdom to know how to apply it apart from the Holy Spirit? And so, if Philip Jones were here, he would say at this point, and I will say for him, come, Holy Spirit. God bless you.